Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You are listening to the One Good Scare podcast with Natalie Zamora and Max Mello. everyone welcome back to a new episode of the one good scare podcast i'm natalie zamora joined by max mallow and we have a very very special guest with us today for a really really exciting interview max and i are so so happy about this um today we're talking to crystal balint you've seen her from shows like prison break riverdale the good doctor more recently you've seen her in midnight mass as the character dolly scarborough and next she'll appear in mike flanagan project the Midnight Club, based on the book of the same name by Christopher Pike. So welcome to the show, Crystal. Thank you for coming. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Good to be here. Yeah, of course. Uh, We are uh, into uh, our four-part Midnight Mass review, um, and Mm -hmm. we've already talked about episodes one and two, but we've said multiple times uh, over the past couple episodes how much we love this show um, and how... um, blown away we were by everyone's performance um when it came to the dialogue the script writing all the different scenes and right off the bat because we'll get into spoilers and we'll talk about that um but you know we just finished episodes one and two and obviously the the big reveal at the end of episode two is that lisa gets up out of her wheelchair and she walks towards father paul to take the eucharist and i want to know as her as portraying her mother in the show during that scene like what is that like sitting there and just seeing this and knowing that everyone is going to have this like insane reaction to this magical moment in the show um you know it was a lot of fun to shoot that scene and it was a lot of fun to sort of get into the the reality the faux reality of what that moment was like for dolly um you know dolly is a sad individual when we first find her she's dealing with a lot and she's having a very difficult time coming to terms with all of the hits that her family and her community has taken over the last several years so this is a really um it's obviously an incredibly pivotal moment for lisa and not just lisa but obviously the whole community but it's 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 pivotal for dolly because it's the first time that Dolly, well, Dolly gets exactly what she's been asking for. She's been she's been praying for, what she's been holding out faith for, is for her daughter to be okay. And it's it's like imagine your wildest dream coming true, and then add like another seventy percent on top of that. <laughs> like it's just you know everyone told her it would never happen, that her daughter would never walk again, and all the, you know all these things, all these impossibilities that she's been faced with, and suddenly. Uh, it's in front of her and it's real. And so it was, it was such a blast to shoot that and to really kind of 
just load that moment with all of your hopes and dreams and be able to just sort of take this wild deep breath because it really is this major release for Dolly and a major sense of relief and and from that point on you get to see Dolly sort of start to stand a little straighter and she you know she's just she carries herself differently after that moment so yeah it was it it, there was so much in that moment that um and, and I think they did a great job of showing the range of emotions that sort of took place in that in that pivotal moment yeah definitely we were just talking about you know just talking about it gave me chills and i you know i've I've seen the scene a few times now just because it's mind-blowing it's incredible and i think like you said dolly in the beginning is a very sad character and i think the scars bros in general have a very heartbreaking storyline with a lot of ups and downs um and i think too with dolly you know she just wants the best for lisa even if that means kind of blindly following something sinister. So we wanted to know, like, as you personally, as a mom, was that something you were able to relate to, just wanting the best thing for your children and maybe not thinking about, you know, potential consequences? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm a very different person than Dolly is, yeah. uh, just in, obviously, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe not obviously, but but it is the truth. I, I'm a very different different person. I'm more of a skeptic than Dolly is. I mm-hmm. I don't belong to like a particular faith that I would say that's out there that I practice in the world. So um, I don't have that that tried and true through line that I just sort of stick to in order to keep myself sort of to walk the line so to speak but as a parent i could definitely um empathize with the feelings that dolly might have which is that you just want the best for your kids and i've been through some things with my kids my kids had a i i had uh, premature babies i have twins and so they were born early so i've seen them already early in their little lives struggle with things and um i know what it is like to want things to just be easier so i think that's sort of some place that i try to dance within and, and bring some of my own experience into in connecting with Dolly's story, which is that you just want it to be easier. She just wants it to be easier for Lisa. And if that means Lisa walking and not being injured, or if it means that the community is thriving, then they have the money to do what they need to do, and which they don't have when we find them in the story. I, I can I can definitely empathize with that feeling of just wanting it to be better and smoother and easier and you know and thankfully my kids are healthy and happy now but I know that feeling and you there is a point where you go I would just do anything for this to be not as complicated as it is so I think that's where Dolly is for sure and yeah you know the show definitely has a slow burn element to it um, but mm-hmm. this is where for me it, it ramps up and it picks up and especially episode three with the big Father Paul revelation um, is where it's, you know, gas to the floor, full go from here. Um, but, you know, you mentioned that with with, uh, with Dolly and Lisa in that moment in the church and how she stands up a little bit straighter and stuff like that because she doesn't know what's going on. And the show kind of explains that um, we get kind of a religious answer and a more realistic answer for some things that happen in the show. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Gunning, Sarah is kind of like, oh, it could have been a misdiagnosis. Who knows? She could have been healing this entire time. But for those who have finished the show, we know there's something else at play here. Um, you know, for you, especially alongside uh, Wade, as this is going on and in episode three, when stuff, you know, the proverbial S word hits the fan, 
Um, <laughs> like, did, how did you get yourself in that mindset of just being like, okay, cool, this mysterious character has come to our home on this island, a very tight-knit community who's been through mm-hmm. a lot, and now my daughter is walking. I will follow, like, I guess we're following this guy now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the thing <clears throat> that's interesting is that it, it it's less, of, it's certainly those early episodes in episode three and four, and then it isn't really until episode five that things start to shift in an interesting direction, for, right. particularly for Dolly and Wade. Um, because Dolly doesn't really get pulled into the fold in in such a deliberate way like dot like wade does wade gets pulled in pretty early to see some of the not so great sides of the, the miracles and it's only later that dolly's kind of pulled into it um so i think for dolly i think it's less about following and more about just like this bolsters her faith you know i think she's a faithful woman i think that's one one word to describe her is is that she just has faith uh she that's why she stays in the community it's why she stays where she is it's why she just she goes to church she's a believer so um this is just a gift from god it's a gift from it's it's a it's a it's a um it's the gift that she's been asking for. It's the reward for all of her hard work. It's the reward for all of her devoutness. So, um, and her devotion to the church and to her family. I think that's how she views it in those early times. And it's a miracle because this is what you, this is what happens when you're faithful, you get what you ask for. And it isn't until later that there's like, oh, there's a, there's actually something we need from you now. <laughs> okay, you need me to do more. So, I mean, and that's the interesting cycle of devotion and and zealotry and sort of that follow. I go wherever you go, I will follow mentality. I think that's where it starts. Is you get these little gifts, these little packages along the way, these little breadcrumbs that take you to this suddenly very dark place, and it's too late. Now you're just you're in the spot. Yeah, and I think too, like Max said, the the slow burn element is is part one of my favorite parts of this show. Just because you know you're watching it, and it's like okay, that's spooky, that's sad, and then you know the horror elements really really creep up on you out of nowhere, and then that's what it is. Um, so when you were reading the script, and even you know at the table read, what do you think was the most shocking part or parts for you? Well, I was, uh, so I got all the scripts all in one go. Like they, they weren't slowly doled out, which was nice because I could just basically binge read the yeah. show. <laughs> so, which was fantastic. Um, I remember pretty clearly when I first saw the turn of events, which I can't, and that was terrible. I should remember this, but I believe it's like in episode three where you start to feel things go sideways. And I remember when it started to reveal itself to me on the page that I had to go back and sort of like reread the subsequent three, like just because I was like, did I read that? Is that what's happening? Wait a minute. And like flipping back through my script to figure out that I didn't miss something because I thought maybe I was reading it wrong. And I was sitting on my sofa in my living room and my partner was there with me. And I sort of made an audible like, oh my God, really? And he was questioning me. And of course, at that point, I realized I couldn't tell him anything about the script if I wanted him to enjoy the show, like as a viewer for the first time. So I had to keep mom on all the details for a long time. But yeah, there was that moment where when it was revealed to me that I did not see it coming. And then similar to how it, how it unfolds as the series unfolds, you know, I couldn't stop reading it. Then I was like, yeah. I was doing reading it like while I was doing the dishes. I was like, every chance I had to read the script, I wanted to know what was coming next because it just was so wild and I did not see it coming. 
Yeah, I was the same way in that episode because it starts off with, <laughs> with Father Paul's confession. And yeah. it went through and I was kind of like, wait a second, I need to go back and listen to that again. Um, <laughs> totally. And, you know, like you mentioned that script and, and reading everything like that and all those reveals and, and revelations that come to light in the show. Um, we've been big fans of Mike Flanagan for years now. Obviously, The Haunting of Hill House was something that put him on a, a massive mainstream map. Um, and then he obviously followed up with, with Blind Manor. But for me, like Midnight Mass has, has blown it out of the water compared to those two projects. Um, and obviously you're now tagged to be on The Midnight Club, which is also his next project. How much were you of a fan of his or what did you know about Mike before working with him uh, on Midnight Mass and, and now obviously the upcoming Midnight Club? Yeah, sure. I so I'm a little embarrassed to say I did. I'm not a horror fan. Oh, totally fine. <laughs> totally <all>. fine. <laughs> like, so so here's the thing: is I'm such a wuss. It's not that I'm like I don't appreciate the genre or like that there isn't like great things in the genre. I just am like such a sissy. Like I cannot stomach it. I I have I have a very vivid imagination. I have like almost a photographic memory, so things stick in my brain like burned images. Like I still have nightmares about the ring, or I have nightmares about like bent neck lady i will never unsee amazing, that like amazing. that is that is just burned into my brain yeah so so when i auditioned for the project i i didn't know really anything about i mean i of course i had seen haunting of Hill house come across my netflix feed but i i never like i just sort of went like next i'm not going to watch that cause it's too scary yeah. um but when i got the job of course when i realized that it was my plan again and i thought okay well i sh we thought we should go watch at least go watch that and my partner and i binged it over like two nights or something we just couldn't turn away because it was so good and we were floored by the depth of the show because i was expecting it to be like a you know sort of a not light but just a sort of somewhat shallow yeah horror show with some scares and some jumps and you know all that kind of stuff and we were just pulled right into the story without the characters were so well-rounded and so well acted and the writing was so on point and I could stomach the scares because I just was curious about what was going on with the characters. That didn't matter to me. So, um, yeah, I, I became a fan very quickly. And then I just was, I couldn't wait to start working on the show. And I was just so in impressed with how the show unfolded and working with all of, uh, not just Mike, but obviously the people he keeps around him, the, you know, all of the wonderful actors and the troop of actors that like to work with him. So now I'm just like, I'm in this, I'm like, Flanagan for life now. <laughs> like he could ask me to come on set and hold the door, and I'd be like, "Yep, just don't even have to pay me. I'll be there." <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's funny because you know we were really big fans of his, like Max said. But I think it's it's only natural you're going to compare you know projects by the same filmmaker, and I don't really like to do that. But this show is is you know Max and I said this is our favorite show of the year. This is by far the best thing I think Mike Flanagan has done. And and it's just, it's very, very different than everything else too. And I feel like the show also is very, very unique because it tackles religion. Obviously that's a huge part of it, but instead of kind of bashing religion, it's really more about, you know, the characters' motivations and why they themselves want to choose faith was the fact that this show is actually pretty respectful to religion, especially compared to a lot of the other horror media that we see. Something you had in mind when joining the show at all? Well, I mean, I I signed on the dotted line of the contract before I'd read the script. So <laughs> I, I sort of was like, I was already in, I was contracted. So when I read it, I remember thinking, you know, again, as, as the story starts to unfold and all of those twists and turns start to reveal themselves, 
I remember thinking quite clearly, oh, wow, this is going to ruffle some feathers. Like there's going to be people that are going to be pretty upset, pretty, you know, pretty anti what we're discussing here or or the parallels that we're putting together in the show that Mike has put together. Um, And even while shooting, I remember having those types of conversations, you know, behind the scenes while we got into some of the heavier stuff and as the show goes on. And so I was holding my breath a little bit when the show was released. And I have some friends who are practicing Catholics, who are, you know, very faithful, who very much that's a big part of who they are. And they've seen the show. And I have yet to have somebody come to me with a complaint about how the religion was dealt with. Um, and I think part of that reason, and this is only an assumption for me, is that that Mike just dealt with it in such a thorough and delicate way i mean it's all very well thought out he spent so much time on this project i mean it's like over 10 years of his life flushing out this story and 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 he also spent a fair bit of time in the church he was an altar boy and he's been very outspoken about that so he knows it so well that there was it's very difficult to pick apart the arguments and the 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 dialogue because he was like in it you know and and it's beautifully written and he uses it in such a way that i just think is like it's really lovely. And I think what a lot of people are able to sort of separate is the fact that the story is not, it's less a scathing criticism of religion and more about what people do, like what religion in the wrong hands can do and what, what zealotry in the wrong, you know, how that there's extremes in everything. And it's really more an examination of people's moral codes than it is about religion. I mean, you could, the religion stops being an issue at one point and it's all about how people are behaving. So I think that's what people are able to, it seems like that's what people are able to actually sort of ascertain from the show. Yeah. And, you know, this this cast front to back is stellar in portraying every character totally. that Mike Flanagan has put to screen here in Midnight Mass. And we don't have a lot of time to meet every character, but mm-hmm. I feel like every moment is very important and does a great job at either explaining their story or explaining their motivations and why they are where they are. Um, you know, I think of Lisa's scene with Joe Colley in his trailer is such a powerful scene. Uh, like we mentioned at the beginning of the, the episode, the, the scene in the church. And everyone, I mean, when when Hamish Linklater is giving his, his sermons, I like Natalie and I were like eyes glued to the screen and ears yeah. as well. Yeah, and I totally. W- I wonder if like sitting in either scenes in the church or wherever else throughout the, the, the course of the show... Um, and you've been on other big projects, you know, things like Prison Break, Riverdale, The Good Doctor, these massive cable network shows that have huge followings. And this is only seven episodes. But did you guys feel as like a cast and crew that when you were making this, that it was going to be something special that was going to be well-renowned by everybody? And it was like, yeah, we're making something here. I mean, I I think so. Like, I, can, I can't speak for everyone else, but I can, I know the conversations that we'd had, certainly after we finished shooting, um, that there was, like, there was something really special about this project from a number of different places and different directions. Like, it was um, a very unique time. Obviously, we shot the whole thing during the pandemic. We were one of the first shows back up and running after the lockdown. So that was unique. No one knew what no one had ever been through this before. So every single person on the set from the top of the, you know, from the executive producers right down to the person who's, you know, picking you up at the, at your trailers, you know, like every single person was like square one, no one knew what to do. So that was really unique. But I also think that the subject matter and the, 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 
the project itself, the, the things that Mike created, the characters he created, the dialogue that he'd written, all of that, all of the, the, the way in which the story unfolds, I think we all really felt that it was something very unique. And back at our table read in March before the lockdown, we got an opportunity to sit down as a cast and read all seven episodes just in one sitting, which was really tremendous. And even at that point, you know, hearing those, the, you know, some of the things that you mentioned, Hamish's homilies and sermons, um, the scenes between Zach and Kate, um, just on the page, like just reading them, you know, Lisa's uh, monologue and her scene with Joe, Joe Colley was like, people were crying in the room back in March. This is like, and then we still had five months to work on our stuff. So I remember coming home from that table read and saying to my partner, like, this is going to be really cool. Like Hamish is going to blow this part out of the water. And like Sam Sloyan is going to kill this part. And like every, all, already I was such, I was in so, such in love with all these characters and what the people had created. So yeah, I think I'd be lying if I didn't think that, if I didn't think that like, I would have been surprised if people hadn't liked it <laughs> that way. That would have been more surprising to me if like, cause I thought for sure that people were going to get something out of this show because it just, it's, it's too impactful a piece of writing. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the, the talent definitely is not wasted on the characters because just like all of the cast, you guys are fantastic in this and each character is so, so complex and, like Max was saying, we don't get to know each character that well because there's only seven episodes, but I don't think it really matters. Like everyone is is just so, so complex and interesting. So we want to know if you didn't play Dolly, is there a character that you would have wanted to play? And is that your favorite character or do you have a different favorite character? Okay, so I've been asked this before and I, I, I've thought about it a couple of different ways, but I think for me... Um, if I were, if I were going to take a swing at another character, I would say Bev because, and not literally take a swing, of course, because I know a lot of people <laughs> want to, but I don't. Um, I think that Bev is just like the, as, as an actor, I think that Bev is just like the biggest, chunkiest piece of like meat that you could dig your heels into, you know, just like sink your teeth into. I think it, it's written, her character's written so wonderfully it's so complex the dialogue is so like there's so many beautiful pieces of dialogue that she has with re that relate to like just you know bible text and how she uses it how manipulative it is manipulative it is and and that's I just loved it and I got to spend a fair bit of time with Sam and I've gotten to know her personally as well and she's just like this incredible woman who is so could not be on the farther on the other end of the spectrum from Bev. If you, you have to have a separate spectrum. I mean, she's literally so different from Bev. And so it was so great to see her turn on, like turn into Bev because she'd just be this lovely person that you'd be hanging out with in the green room. And then you'd go to set and she'd be Bev and you'd go like, Oh my God. And so when I watched her in the show. I couldn't look away. I just was like, it, it was a beautiful thing. So that I'm, I'm, and somewhat envious of that opportunity because I just think it would be so rich and so much fun, but I couldn't in any way hold a candle to what Sam has done with that character. Cause she's, I mean, she's just like, she's the character you love to hate, you know? Oh yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, we don't get, you know, we get a lot of backstory, especially in the beginning for Riley um, and for Aaron and, and why they are back on the Island and stuff like that. And when we meet Bev, Bev is, been this way for how long we don't know apparently we assume the, the the entirety of her life and 
I believe it's either episode three, I think it's episode three, um, which we will be reviewing in the upcoming week. Um, we get the scene in the school with uh, Sheriff Hassan and everyone, and they're talking about um, trying not to spoil too much for those who haven't obviously caught up yet, but um, the, the idea of teaching uh, the Bible in school. And mm-hmm. that scene for me was so masterfully acted uh, by um, Samantha Sloyan here as Bev as she's explaining and twisting everything to either be explained by the Bible or there's a reason for the Bible and why I'm talking about it and just trying to navigate her way through the conversation was absolutely like horrifying and terrifying to me as I'm watching this and I feel like I'm in the classroom and I want to like speak up and say something and be like is anyone (laughs) going to say something here? Um... But I was I was curious about that scene as well because um, and it's okay to to, to spoil it here um, okay for for some like character motivations but it's very unsure who in the room is siding with our sheriff um, who is portrayed to be um, you know a newcomer to the island uh, someone who is an outsider more or less to the community um, mm-hmm. and. I personally couldn't tell who in the room was on the side of Bev and being like understanding of her and thinking the sheriff should ease up a little bit or if the sheriff was right and Bev should ease up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's just, again, like that's a testament to the writing, you know, and the research that went into all of the, the, the characters and the writing that, you know, that Mike gave us. I mean, like it is the argument, right? And it's not like it's not an argument that people are probably having right now in schools all over the all over the free thinking world. You know what I mean? Like there are these always this thing. It's like, do you keep do or do we keep church and state together? Do we do we have church in school? Do we not? You know, and if we do, then can we have all religions in school? I mean, it is a very topical conversation about how much we involve our children into these things. And um again, being in in the scene and on the ground and watching that be acted it it really was lovely to there's so much of that acting that i wasn't really acting i just was literally just listening because it's such a compelling argument it really is both actors have totally terrific and viable points um you know of course i have to side with with bev you know because it's dolly and suede and what you know i'm scared of her (laughs) so um you know you have to but yeah it's um i think it's a really that's what's so great about the writing. It's another one of those things that you just go, that's brilliant because there is no right or wrong. Bev is not wrong, technically. I mean, she's is she is she strong arming everybody? For sure. Is she manipulating the situation for her own gain? Absolutely. But she's not entirely wrong about what she's talking about. And Sheriff Hassan, Rahul's character is absolutely not wrong. He's got a very valid point. So um, it's a really lovely scene because it is a point where the sides sort of start to split but yeah it could have gone either way and you see for me like and and for wade we do have moments where we're like oh that's a really interesting point i hadn't considered that and then bev eventually just like you know shuts the book and drops the mic but uh, it it is it's a tough conversation it was a really well-written scene and beautifully acted yeah it's interesting that you mentioned that too because natalie i don't know if you were this way but 
Yeah, there's not much dialogue outside of Sheriff Hassan and Bev in that moment in terms of who's talking. I think Wade does have a couple lines in terms of trying to like steer things and, and try to. I think and I think Aaron speaks up at a couple of couple. Yeah, Aaron, as well, yeah. She she puts her you know puts her face in, but she gets shut down immediately. Right. She's like, <laughs> well, actually, down. and Bev is like, no, yeah. <laughs> like I, I got this. Um, exactly. But yeah, Natalie, I don't know if you were this way too, but yeah. Uh, the, I, I was I was more looking around the room to seeing how people were reacting to the conversation that was going on because a lot of the facial expressions in terms of what's going on and I remember that moment when you and Waiter like oh yeah I didn't really think about it that mm-hmm. way I guess I'm understanding mm-hmm. and, it, and, it, and it humanizes everybody to be like okay yeah. yes like religion does seem to play a big part on this island and what's going on in the show but everybody still here does care about each other pretty much and is very open and, and free thinking in their own uh, thoughts and beliefs, especially in the prior episode when it's extremely emotional when Joe's dog dies of the, the poison mm. and everyone's standing around and being like, this is a terrible thing to happen to you, but everyone here knows what you did to Lisa. And it's it's very interesting to see all of the character um, elements portrayed across these moments where I'm not so much looking at who's talking and what the dialogue is going on even though it's spectacular but also seeing how everyone on the island is reacting because it's such a tight-knit community yeah and it's a very it's a very interesting representation of what happens when there's division in a community right or in any community regardless of the size it could have 127,000 people or it could have 127 people like on crockett there's still going to be people who have differing opinions who are going to bump up against each other and who aren't going to be able to make space for the other people's opinions. There's just, that's sort of, and, and that is, again, just um, a thing to examine in the show is it's about humanity. It's about morality. It's about like what we do in those positions of faith or power or, you know, what have you. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a conversation, like one of the very many conversations that come out of the show. It's that, that it's just, they're rich that you could talk about for hours with people really. Yeah. Definitely. Well, we are obsessed with the show. We can't say good enough things about it, truly. It was such a a pleasant surprise for people who were already fans of Mike Flanagan's work, too. So um, amazing. I think we have one question left for you, and Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how much you could say, but (laughs) The Midnight Club comes out next year, Netflix, everyone watch it. We know you can't say much about it, but is there anything that you can tease that will get people excited for this? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, it's, you mentioned earlier that it's a Christopher Pike adaptation. So Mike is a, an incredible, you know, screenplay or screenwriter and adapter, obviously with Hill House and with Blind Manor. So I think you can expect that he's going to do something really interesting with Christopher Pike's work. And if anyone's a fan of Christopher Pike's work, which I was as a kid, I, grew, I read a number of his books, um, <clears throat> which is why I'm excited to, to be a part of it and to see it. Um, he's done some really unique stuff with, with the material as you can only imagine, because that's Mike. Um, And I'm also really excited for people to see it because there's some really tremendously talented people in it. And there's some new faces to the Flanagan family of actors. Um, You'll see some familiar faces as well, um, which will be exciting, I'm sure, for the fans of his work. But I think it's really going to be a a really kind of a cool ride. It's something different than what he's done in the past. Um, It's sort of a slightly younger audience uh, or younger, you know, actors and younger audience because it's Christopher Pike work, but um, there's going to be something for everyone. And I think you can expect to have that same sort of tension and that same sort of thrill and that same sort of roller coaster ride through the series. So 
yeah, I'm excited to see it. Amazing. I bought the book. I've never read it, but it's back there. So oh, great. I have some time to read it before uh, we start getting release dates and trailers and everything like that. Um, well, I'll give so- you a hint because if you're going to read that book, you should read, just read more than one Christopher Pike book. Okay. That's my only, that's my only hint because <laughs> there'll be, it'll be, there'll be some other things that you can sort of relate to and there's lots of great ones. So perfect. And then Natalie, when you're done reading one, you can let me borrow it. And pass it on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much, Crystal, for coming on. It was awesome speaking to you. We adore the show and amazing performances from you and from everyone in there. So yeah, thank you so much for, for taking the time out of your day to speak with us. Thank you so much, you guys. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. So thank you so much, Crystal, for speaking with us. That was really, really fun just to get to know someone who was on the set of this incredible show. So um, we are going to be back with our review of episodes three and four, and then we'll have another um, episode for the rest of them as well. So make sure you catch back with us for our next episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.